All right, we got a yay out of that. Uh, it's good to see you here this morning. Happy Father's Day to the dads. My name is Dennis. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's a privilege to stand here with you and be with you anytime, but especially on Father's Day. And um, yeah, bike for buddy is a great thing. It's a good thing. Um, you know what I did today uh, for, for today, for Father's Day? We did something a little different. And uh, I actually pre- started preparing my message two weeks ago at our Ironman Connect group. And we, we meet on the second and fourth Tuesday, so there'll be Ironman again this Tuesday. And so what I did is I asked men, I said, I said, what are some things that you're grateful that your dad passed on to you, taught you, or did for you? And then I asked another question, which is a little hard sometimes, but what are some things you wish he had done? And then a third thing, I asked him, I said, what are some things that um, you want to make sure that you pass on to your kids? So we kind of built the message around that, and I thought it'd be fun to kind of use this um, well, let's, let's look at this, this verse. It's Psalm 127, and it's found in the... It, if, you're, if you have an actual Bible, what's kind of fun, you can actually split your Bible right in the middle. It'll open to Psalms. It'll be easy to find it that way. But if you look at this verse, it says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are, are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Anybody here ever shoot a bone arrow? Anybody ever do that? Yeah? Okay, quite a few of you. All right. I'm glad you have because maybe this will make more sense to you. But, you know, my dad, he got me a bow when I was young. And um, we used to shoot together every once in a while. It was, it was a recurve, regular, regular bow. And um, it's funny, though, we, we never really got any good training. So I don't Has anybody ever shot a bow and didn't know what they were doing? That can be a dangerous thing, am I right? I'll tell you, I wasn't even going to tell you the story, but I'll tell you the true story. I was in high school, and my friend and I, we went out, and, and back then, now there's houses there, but back then there was this empty lot right behind uh, my house, or to the left of my house. So what happened is, we were out there, and we didn't know what we were doing, really, and we had a target set up against our fence, and so we were standing in this empty lot and shooting toward that target. And so my bow, if you know much about bows, my bow was a 70-pound draw bow. Now, my dad's was a 40-pound so. In case you don't know the difference, that means mine is almost strong, twice as strong as his. But I wasn't thinking about that. My friend had never shot bows and arrows either. And so we were shooting, and we were getting close to the target. Sometimes we'd hit it, sometimes not. We didn't know we were doing it all. And um, as for shooting, we thought, my friend or me, I don't remember who said this, but let's say, let's say how far back we can go and still hit, hit the target. Does it sound like a good idea? Okay. So we go all the way, and we, we kept getting there, and then we went all the way to the street. So across an entire empty lot, and my friend took the first shot, and he had his aimed about like that, and he let it go, and it didn't quite make it. So I thought, I'll just put mine a little higher and let it go, and what do you think happened? Well, remember, mine's twice as strong? I wasn't thinking about that. So we let it go, and uh, true story, couldn't find it. We didn't know where the arrow went. We're looking like... Where'd it go? I didn't see it hit. Did you see it hit? No. Did you hear anything? Well, I heard something, but I don't see it anywhere. There was no little puff of dirt or nothing on the wall. So we go looking. We looked all around for that arrow. We couldn't find it anywhere. So we go back. We thought, well, I guess we lost an arrow. (laughs) That's really what we thought. So we go and we we went ahead into the house and we're sitting there. Next thing we know, there's this bam, 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 knock on the door. And it was my neighbor girl. She comes running in. She goes, you almost killed me. Like, what? What are you talking about? She goes, you just shot an arrow through my house. I'm like, what? 
There's no way, sure enough. We go in, and there, uh, in our homes, my home, our home was basically ex- exactly the same as hers, just a reverse floor plan. So we had these cathedral ceilings, so it wasn't two-story, but a cathedral ceiling. And what had happened is there was a window. What happened was the arrow <laughs> literally went over my house and into the top of their cathedral window all the way across their living room and stuck four inches in the wall on the other side. Oh, my goodness sakes. <laughs> I felt so bad. It was hard not to laugh because she was so excited about, well, not excited, maybe not the right world. She was so, (laughs) and thankfully she was in no danger. The hardest part about that was it cost me, now this is a long time ago, so this is a lot of money. It's a lot of money to me now, but back then it was like a fortune. It cost me $88 to have that window repaired. Yeah. I was doing some things wrong, let me just say. Now, if you've shot a bone arrow, has anybody ever pulled the arrow back, pulled the bow back and let it go and it skims your arm right here does anybody know that kind of pain if you've never experienced that that's one of those pains that you don't forget because it leaves a red mark that lasts for hours if not days you never forget the the grip the way you hold the bow makes a big difference this friend of mine told me just turn your hand a little bit use this part changes everything because it literally moves your arm out of the way if you don't know what you're doing how many dads took a dad class before you had a baby I, I think there actually are dad classes. I'm not sure where you would go to take one, but there are classes. It's just most of us become fathers without really learning how to be a dad. You, you just kind of become a dad. And let me just say, the grip part, there, there are instructions, certain things that you need to know and you need to think about. I think it's important to realize that God uses the example of a father and a son or father and child with us. We look to him as our father, and that's not a mistake. He intends for it to be that way. There are certain things and principles that we should learn, like the grip on how to hold a bow that make a night and day difference. Something else to think about is the stance when you're shooting a bow. It really matters. I can't stand this way and shoot a bow this way. Just turning your body, none of that feels natural. It doesn't work. You literally have to turn sideways to what you're trying to shoot. The way you stand matters. The stand you take, even with your children, makes a huge difference. Huge, huge difference. I want to suggest this stance. That you stand in a way that is love and acceptance with your children. It's interesting because a lot of the guys that we talked to, they said that their dads never told them they loved them. They thought they did. Or some of them said, I knew my dad loved me, but he never said it. That stance you take and that stand you take with them, that you accept them and that you care about them, you need to communicate that. Tell them that. It's interesting because you, you don't want them to ever doubt your love for them. Years ago when I was a youth pastor, I'll never forget a training we were in, and one of the leaders of the training said that, you know, dads with your daughters, understand this. They are looking for love from you, and if they don't find it from you, they'll find it somewhere. You need to make sure they understand where you stand. I love this, this verse in the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesians. He says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. I don't know if you caught that yet. I don't know if obeying your parents comes natural. But the way Paul leverages this is he says, because you belong to the Lord. In, in the NIV it says, for this is the right thing to do. Then in verse 2, he says, honor your father and mother. 
This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Honoring your parents is, is a difficult um, thing sometimes. Maybe you don't agree with them. Maybe they've made choices or done some things that aren't perfect. But the honoring part you can still do. You can still honor them. Then that fourth verse, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This next thing I want to talk about for a minute is, um, if, if you've never shot a bow that's, that, that has a lot of uh, that pull weight to it, that's 70 pounds, it's, it can be embarrassing sometimes. If you start to pull a bow back like that, and it's really heavy, I mean, if you hold it too long, it's hard to aim it because you don't have the strength to hold it, which sounds weird, but, but really, if you think about it, those are muscles we don't use very much, at least pushing this way, pulling this way. And because of that, sometimes it can be difficult to aim because as you're trying to set your aim, your, your muscles start to fatigue, and they can fatigue pretty quick, and they start to shake just a, minute, just a minute amount. And if you can imagine with that arrow flying the way it does, you can be really off in your aim just because... Your muscles are fatigued. Think about that as it applies to parenting. It, it takes a certain amount of guidance and intentionality and preparation to, to make yourself the kind of father and to give them the direction that kids need. In the book of Proverbs, there's a wisdom book in the, in the Old Testament. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. The King James says to raise up a child in the way he should go. And when they are old, they will not, uh, they will not stray from that. In the uh, Amplified Version, it says, Teach him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Those are interesting ways to see that same verse, aren't they? In the Hebrew, that way he should go, it actually says his bent. What it means is that every one of us have a certain bent to our personality or, or the way we go, our talents or gifts. And maybe you've seen this where maybe dad had been, a, been an all-star baseball player. I've seen this a lot on Little League fields, you know, where then dad is yelling, yelling at the kid, do it like this, do it like this, almost living through their child and trying to force their child into something that maybe isn't what they want to do or what they're good at or, or bent toward. And this verse is amazing because really if you look at it, what it's trying to say here is that your child may not be exactly like you, but as a dad, you can coach them and direct them in the way that they should go. And in doing that, you also, you know, I think about this, some dads are natural teachers. Some dads are, they just are. Some dads are, are natural doers. And as you do things with them, you learn some. But, but, but think about this, parenting by definition is guiding. You're actually giving guidance to somebody, to a child. God has placed somebody in your life who you can give principles and directives to and guide the way that they go. <laughs> one of the guys said that one of the most meaningful things that his father told him is that he was proud of him. Proud of him. You've got what it takes. It's, it's giving a child the affirmation and the validation that, that they have what it takes. Another one, another one of the dads said uh, that his father showed him that by, by giving him tools and then trusting him to use them, to literally let the child do it, which, which can be hard because as uh, even Pastor Jeremy was saying, you know, like your dad knows how to mow the lawn, right? And if you don't mow it right, he might go re-mow it. I don't know anybody ever dad like that. <laughs> Think about this. One of the guys said, he always believed that I could achieve something 
could always believed I could do it, that he could fix anything. Compare that to some of the dad guys who said that um, he would prefer that their dad talk uh, with them, not just at them. I think one of the important things we need to teach kids is that life isn't really all about them. As much as we want them to know we believe in them and, re- and want the best for them and we believe they can achieve anything, we also need them to model and demonstrate that, that there's actually other things going on and there's other people who need help. That we can model to them how to serve others, to go last, to, to not always have to be right. Thinking about um, you know, using a bow and arrow too, I think, I think of using a bow as it's, it's kind of similar to some other things that you know, we have these golf little stations, these putting greens out here. Golf's one of, kind of similar in a way. It's, you know, shooting a bow and arrow isn't something you just do right away and you're good at it. And it's not something that, it, like a talent or a skill that lasts forever. I think of it as kind of like golf. You know, somebody was asking me if I golf, and I've probably golfed 10 times in my whole life. You know, so if I went out there today, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be very good, and I wouldn't expect to be very good. And it's, it's one of those games where it takes practice to develop those particular skills to be good at that. It's, it's kind of like tennis. I don't know if you, anybody ever played tennis. Yeah, not very well. I heard a few people say, yeah, not very well. Tennis is one of those games. It's not like racquetball. One, one good thing about racquetball is you're in there in the four walls. Eventually, the ball kind of comes back to you, right? And it doesn't go very far. Tennis is different. I mean, you could hit it over the fence. It's a long walk. Or if you're chasing the ball around the court the whole time, it, it's, it's not as fun. You, you almost, both of you almost have to have a little, little minimum amount of skill to make it good. Practice makes that happen. So as you think about your parenting, I really think of it like this. Um, it's what you model in front of young people, your children, that make them see the difference. It's almost like that practicing part where they see you doing it over and over and over. You model the prayer and the Bible reading. You model it. They know that that's really a part of your life. It's a spiritual example. Some of the things that the guys told me about, they said that, that they, they had conversations with their dad about meaningful things. And one of the things one of the dads said that he wants to make sure his kids understand is that they could talk to him about anything that literally nothing is off limits. Whether it's politics or, or even sexuality or any of the things that, are, that the young person, the child is thinking about that they could actually come and talk to you about. One of the dads talked about the idea of teachable moments that you find these, these, these situations that you get put in where it's an opportunity to teach. Um, not, not this last time, but I know another time one of the dads talked about how you know, they had been buying something and they got the change that came back was, was too much. Or maybe they didn't ring up something. So they used that opportunity to say, hey, we, we can't just ignore this or blow it off because it's only like a dollar. It matters. So they actually had the child walk back in. They could have left him in the, in the car, but they walked him back in with them and said, hey, I think, I think we did this wrong and I got something here I didn't deserve. I think of it like this. Um, think about this verse uh, in Proverbs, the wisdom book again. It says, the wise are mightier than the strong, and those with knowledge grow stronger and stronger. I think as we get older, we, we don't rely on our strength as much. I mentioned racquetball a minute ago. I know one of the things, I used, to, I used to play some competitive racquetball, and one of the fun things is that a lot of times in those competitive leagues, it's, the guys are older. They're not, they don't hit as hard as the young guys because that's not always an advantage. What ends up being an advantage as you grow older is that wisdom, because it's mightier than the strong, and knowledge. You grow, thank God it's that way, isn't it? <laughs> I would have mentioned one other thing about, about the, the, the bow and arrows. Something you can really do to mess up your shot when you pull that, that, that bow back, when you let it go, is if you turn or look away. Does anybody know what that's called? You've got to watch your follow-through. 
actually what you want to do is hold it in the exact same spot every time and let it go and don't move. It's follow through. When I think about raising kids, it's about follow through. When I'm being a dad, it's about follow through. That's, that's what some people call legacy. You know, snapshots, the snapshots you see, one of the dads mentioned a couple weeks ago at Ironman, he said, he, he talked about, uh, you know, it's, it's not a Facebook father, which you just put your highlight reel on there. It's actually the, follow, the, the, the day-to-day. And, and nobody should be judged by that snapshot in their life, but it's how many times you get back up again. There's this quote when I was in college in the, in the, the dean of students' office. I, I will never forget it. It said, consistency is the hallmark of principled living. It's a follow-through when you do it day after day after day. Are we going to make mistakes as dads? Yeah. But Proverbs 24, 16 says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. I think of it like this. I think of the, the work ethic, you know, where, where you, you work till the job is finished and you're the first one there and you work the hardest and the longest and you're the last one to leave. Think about this. One of the guys talked about the presence that his dad showed him day after day. That he felt like, he, he never felt like he was on his own. But he had a cheerleader in his court all the time. I think that's important for dads. The, the importance of being fully there when you're there. Another dad said it was important that he felt like he could learn from his mistakes. And that he makes it, makes it, makes it a point when he makes a mistake that he goes and he apologizes to his child. Make sure that they understand, look, I can be wrong and I accept, accept responsibility when I'm wrong. I think one of the most important things we can do is follow Christ ourselves. The way we follow Christ is largely the way our kids will. You know, one of the deepest desires of my heart personally is for my children to know Jesus the way I know him. That daily life where I know he's always there, where I go to him with my problems, where I, where I go to him with my joys and my successes, and I, I ask him for direction, and he's part of my life every day. I want my kids to know him that way. There's some of you here who um, you still have a dad. Uh, my dad, I lost him this year, but, I, but I've been losing him for a long time. With Alzheimer's, it's one of those things. It's progressive. You know, I remember when, you know, when my parents first learned to text, they were te- doing that texting. Remember how you had to push the, the A like three times to get to the C? Remember that? Okay, so, so when they were doing it that way, it was always comical to read the text because there would be misspellings and stuff. But, but they figured that out. And then my dad would text literally every day. And then I remember when the texts start getting garbled. And it wasn't that. It was the dementia coming on. And then on the phone, you know, we'd talk on the phone. And there were times where he would just, it's almost like he didn't even hear what I was saying. He would just kind of talk and talk and talk. And, and then it stopped and he didn't talk at all. And my mom, I could hear in the background. Maybe some of you moms do this. Well, I, I know some of you do because I'll call you and I can hear you both of you are talking. But only one's on the phone, you know. So I'm talking to my dad, and I can hear my mom say, Bob, say hi, say hi. And sometimes he would say hi, but he was losing it. And then she would say, Bob, Dennis is on the phone, say something. And it was just silence. So my mom would say, Dennis, he's there, just you go ahead and talk. So we went through that stage, and then he, he stopped talking altogether. So those of you who still have dads, I just wanted to say a few things that I wish I could say. I would talk to him more. If you still have your dad, talk to him. Call him. Make time to make that happen. I wish I'd thanked him more. One of the things I got to do is, is before he passed, I got to be there that last night with him. And, I, you know, he was, um, I don't know if he's unconscious all the way. I mean, I don't even know. 
because I know the last couple years, I don't even know if he knew I was there, but, but I took that opportunity to go through and literally thank him for everything I could remember. Every, every time we went somewhere, did something, everything he taught me, I wish I'd ask him for more advice. And, and, and really, I've been thinking about this a lot. I didn't always do that with my dad, but I wish I did, even just to make him feel like a dad. I, some stupid things. I wish, I wish I'd, I'd ask him how to tune the car. I spent a lot of hours holding the flashlight, but I didn't know what he was doing. Just wish we'd had that conversation. I wish, I wish I'd ask him some things that were just unique to him. He would, he would throw together dinner rolls just like that or make cinnamon rolls. I wish I'd have just, and I would watch him, but I didn't know what he was doing. I wish I'd just ask him. So if you still have your dad, let me just say one last thing before we close here today, but if you're our dad, and maybe for you, you, you look at these things and you think, oh, I wish I'd have done this or done that. I don't, I don't know that you can really fail as a dad unless you give up trying. That would be failure. For the rest of you, I just want to say this in closing. I really believe all of you dads, you have superpowers, but here's what they are. Listen carefully. Your superpower is presence, you being there. It's listening. It's advice and insight. It's cheerleading. It's modeling how you love your kid's mom. It's living for Jesus. To me, that's what being a man means. So God bless you dads on Father's Day. I hope you have the greatest day ever. For those of you who don't have a dad or your dad's still not here, um, my heart goes out to you, but God bless you today. Have a great rest of the day.